because it's going to be challenging. It's going to be challenging for all of us. Um, and and I, I really like the focus because so often when we speak about issues or um, like poverty, it, it, it's easy to kind of talk about them <laughs> and those people and, and what can we do to, to fix? What can we do to solve? And, and we, we tend to kind of put the focus on them where with, with this, th- these next few weeks, the focus is going to be on us and the focus is going to be on our hearts. And so the heart work that is going to be happening in the next few weeks is not on them and, and those people, but on us, on you and on me. So when we speak about heart work, it's, it's about us getting our hearts aligned with God. It's about us dealing with what's going on in our hearts and, and expressing what God would want us to, to follow God, to follow Him. Um, so yeah, Jesus calls us to, to look at our hearts and to focus on what's going on in our hearts. Um, and so my prayer is over the next uh, five weeks, um, today's launch week, and then we have four weeks, four themes, um, that God would work in your heart. Would you allow God to work in your heart? And so we're going to call you out and ask you to, to do some challenging things. But um, I wanted to ask Amy if you could join me up here, because um, Amy kind of brought this, uh, this she f- you found this, and... Um, yeah, tell us. So, where were you first exposed to this hard work? Where did you first see it? So, this past, this past spring at the Awake Conference in Pella, um, the people that put this program together were there promoting it, and that's where I first heard of it. Okay. Yeah. And, and what was your first thought? So, you see kind of hard work, and you hear a little bit about it. What was your f- first thought? Well, when they talked about it, my first thought was, we're going to do that. <laughs> Because that's just really where my heart is as far as, um, yeah, I, I love missions. I love serving. And and so when you said, we're going to do that, who do you have in mind? Our youth group. Okay. And mm-hmm. s- but now, somewhere along the line, we yeah. so things as, changed. Yeah. As I started looking at it and what was all involved and the teaching that went with it, um, one of the things I went to leadership about was, I want you to promote it from the pulpit because I wanted the church's support in that. And so they, they were like, sure. And then they thought about it a little more, and then they came back and said, so are you asking us to preach this from the pulpit? And I'm like, that would be great. <laughs> and anyway, yeah, we just have really great leadership, and they, yeah, they're supporting it. So you've kind of read through all the stuff. I mean, you, you've had a sneak peek, and, and right. we're going to be talking about compassion challenges, and yep. um, how's your heart? What, what, what's God doing in your heart when yeah. you, because you've kind of been exposed to this material, so. Yeah, um, and especially coming off of the missions trip, um, I guess the, the first thing that comes to mind that if, if we're going to identify, or if you're going to bear the name Christian, are you a Christian as a believer? Or are you a Christian as a follower? And there's a big difference because even Satan believes in Jesus. But as a follower, your actions show that. And, and that's what I even challenged the kids this past week about. You know, what, what kind of Christian are you? Are you a believer or are you a follower? And, you know, if we're a follower, we're, we're living that out daily. Not just one week a year on a missions trip. But every single day, every 51 weeks, 
of the year. <laughs> yeah. So, so uh, in the perfect world, <laughs> what would you like to see at the end of these, these next five weeks? What would you like to see in terms of the changes or the I outcome? Think, I think just um, having our eyes opened and seeing people mm -hmm. and seeing what God sees and having our hearts break for what breaks his heart and, yeah. and, and not just seeing it, but then coming along people alongside people okay so. thanks i'll call you up again a little bit we're going to kind of want to it a little bit here amy and i but um yeah that's uh, our hope and prayer is that that i think you said those two things that we'd see we would see those in in poverty around us um, but then we'd also act on it we wouldn't just look at it and go like oh I, I, you know that must be hard, and, and carry on with our lives, but we'd actually do something, we'd get involved, and that, that whole concept of, of being a believer or a follower, it's, it's basically being a fan, uh, if you read the book, I'm not a fan, yeah, we're not fans, we don't come here just to kind of look at the game that's being played and go like, oh, that was a really good game, we are, we're players, we're, we're followers, we, we're involved, we, we take action, we're not just spectators, and so my hope and prayer is that God would change our hearts and that we would become more and more involved here in Grimes, in, in Iowa, and to the ends of the earth, that we would really get involved. So um, one of the first things I just want to deal with is when we, when we speak about poverty, we, we often think about like, well, who's that? Um, who, who are these people in poverty? And, and um, Jesus was having this conversation with uh, one of the teachers of the law, one of the, the Pharisees, one of these experts in the law. And um, and, and, and they're like, Jesus, what, you know, what's really important? He says, what do you think? Jesus asked the question, what do you think is the most important commandment? And the, the expert of the law says, well, um, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus is like, yeah, you got it. That's it. You remember the question that the expert of the law then asks? Who's my neighbor? Because, man... I don't want to be, rub, you know, loving the wrong person. And, and should I really be loving the, the unlovable? You know, is that guy really my neighbor? Okay, so he lives next door to me. Yeah, he's my neighbor. But what about the person at work? What about the other people around us? What about the people in our community? Who is my neighbor? And uh, Jesus then goes on to tell the parable of the Good Samaritan, um, of the, the one who, who was an outsider who ended up loving and serving and, and really giving. Um, so who's my neighbor? And so in this series, we're going to be speaking about the poor and, and those in poverty, and who are they? And so I um, kind of want to break it down. There's globally, we need to realize where we stand in terms of where are we, okay? So globally, um, just a, 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 a couple of facts, because what, what happens is we tend to insulate or isolate ourselves from people who are not as well off as we are. And we, we do. We tell our kids not to play with them because they might, you know, they might pick up something. You know, they might get lice or, or a disease or, or, or they might pick up some words like that we don't want them to hear. You know, you can't go play at their house because you know, I've heard what they speak about. Uh, or they might see something. And, 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 and we do the same. It's like I, I don't want to be around um, certain people because, man, they're draining sometimes. And so we tend to, to isolate and insulate ourselves from, from the poor. Um, 
and, and we're going to work on a definition of the poor as well because it, we've got to include that. But globally, okay, so um, what I want you to get out of this, here's the answer that you need to have after this, is that we are the privileged. You and I, right here, right now, are in an amazing privileged situation. Okay? So 30% of the world, 30% of the population of this world, about 7 billion people, 30% of those live on less than $1.25 a day. 30%, a third of the world, lives on less than $1.25 a day. So we can walk down to that vending machine, and $1.25 will get you a bag of, it'll probably get you like a soda or something like that. Okay? So 30% live on less than $1.25 a day. 50% of the world, so half of the world, Half of those 7 billion people live on less than two fifty a day. $2.50 a day. Half the world lives on less than $2.50 a day. If you want to do the math, it's $912.50 a year. Did you go home and look at your pay stub? 900, imagine doing the IRS forms at the end of the year. What did you earn? $912.50 in the year. A whole year. Eighty percent of the population of this world lives on less than ten dollars a day. Eighty percent lives on less than ten dollars a day. Who of you guys earn less than ten dollars a day? Oh, okay. <laughs> ten dollars a day. Uh, Three thousand six hundred and fifty a year. That's 80% of the world. So that means we are definitely in the top 20%. Now, I can start asking you questions about disposable income, about assets and stuff like that. It's, this is pretty cool. You can go and Google it and say, how wealthy am I? And you put in your, your net income. I did it. And you guys know what we earn. You can look up in the church budget. Um, and uh, I am in the top 1%. Me. I am in the top 1% of this world. And I would hazard a guess that most of you guys are there with me. We're in the top 1% or 2% of this world. Um, because of what we earn, but also because of what we have access to. Um, and we're going to be talking a little bit about that. What's really interesting is, um, in researching this, um, more people die of hunger than AIDS, tuberculosis, and malaria combined, okay? And, and we, we talk about a, a lot about AIDS and malaria. I've had malaria multiple times. Man, and there's a lot of people who die of malaria, and, and it's in the developing world. People dying of malaria, dying of tuberculosis, a lot of people. But more people die of hunger, AIDS, tu tuberculosis, and malaria combined. There's a lot of people dying of hunger. When last were we hungry? I mean, like, really hungry. Not like, I'm hungry. <laughs> There's nothing to eat in the fridge. When last were we really hungry? I mean, like, skipping multiple days, multiple meals. When last were we really hungry? Not because we didn't want to eat what was in front of us, but, like, really hungry. Folks, the, the world we live in is, is not very fair. And we need to realize here, us, sitting here today, 
we are in that top 1% or 2% of the world. We are privileged, incredibly privileged, um, really, really privileged. It's interesting, um, the U.S. Census 2015 said, Grimes, the average per person income, not family, not median family income, median household income, but per person in Grimes, they estimate uh, $33,394 per person. That includes your kids, that includes your parents, that includes um, the folks living around us. Per person, average income for a year, 33000 It's about 10 times what 80% of the world earns. Remember we said 80% of the world, $10 a day. We're about 10 times what 80% of the world earns here in Grimes. So the question I have then is, are there poor people here in Grimes? I think they are, and um, this is definitely a personal journey for me, so they are. Um, so, you know, I grew up in South Africa, uh, grew up under apartheid, and, and really was amongst the privileged because of my race. Um, after, after going to university, I, I went and worked in Zambia amongst um, very poor rural people. Um, they were the dollar-a-day type people, okay? And uh, really had a heart for these people. So because of that, went into missions. And so spent time in Malawi. Um, Alice and I um, spent years in Mozambique amongst very poor people. And, and we were super privileged, um, but spent time amongst poor people. And so when, when we came and lived in Grimes, I was like, man, if you're poor in Grimes, there's something wrong with you. I, I really felt that, okay? And God has had to do some hard work <laughs> in my heart um, about that, and, and I'm going to share some of that. Um, are there poor people amongst us here in Grimes? Yes, because our, our definition of poverty, if we just define it on how much you earn in a year or how much disposable income or how much is in your bank account, um, that definition of poverty is very, very narrow, okay? Poverty is about a lot more than just dollars and cents, okay? So we're going to kind of look at a little bit of the definition of po poverty and why are people poor. And, and I want you to be, be thinking about what you have received, um, what you have, have, have okay? Um, it, it's interesting. In Mozambique, I, ha I had some friends who um, I, would, I would define as very generous, not poor, but I know that they saw less than $1,000 in a year. But they were generous and, and wealthy or, or well-off and content with what they had. They had access um, to land and, and were able to farm, and, but they, they lived generous lives, very generous lives. But I doubt if they ever saw close to $1,000 in a year. And so poverty is not just defined by finances. It's defined by, by way more. Okay, so a um, couple things that, that I want to try and define poverty by. The first one is opportunity, okay? Opportunity. Um, we have the opportunity to make choices. Uh, we have the ability to, to participate in real options, okay? We have choices. We have a lot of them. Think about it. Uh, when last were you out of options? Yeah? When last were you out of options? Were you like, oh, I I don't have an option. I just have to do this one thing. 
We, we live our lives with so many options. Do you know how many flavors of coffee creamer are on the back table right now? There are four flavors of coffee creamer on the back table. Our, our world revolves around options. The first time I walked, I mean, this, this blew my mind. I, I went, first time I was in the States, I went into a subway. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Are you laughing? It's, it's ridiculous. Like you have to choose like out of six breads, and then you have to choose out of like six cheeses, and then you have to choose out of meat. And it's like they've simplified their menu now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's just options and options and options. But, but our world is, we live in a world with so many options. Um, when last did you open your fridge and there was just one thing in your fridge? Has that ever happened to you? <laughs> so what was that one thing? Okay. <laughs> Good thing you didn't say beer or something like that. When last did you go home and, I mean, folks, I want you to place yourself, open your fridge and, and, and think about what's in your fridge today. Options. And we have a whole door full of spreads, you know, like different jams and spreads and fruit spreads and stuff like that. We have options. I mean, just, yeah, I have bread and I can then choose what I want to put on it. How about your pantries? Walking into the, wherever you store your food, if it's a, a cupboard or a pantry, and walking in there. Have you, have, have you ever had your kids go, there's nothing to eat in this house? That happens quite a bit at our home. I'm like, well, open the cupboard, and there's like 20, 30 cans. You want tomato soup? You want cream of mushroom soup? You want a bag of rice? There is, there is a, we have an abundance of food, and an abundance, we have choices as to what we can eat. How about your clothing closet? Yeah. <laughs> Talk about choice. I mean, that, that's, that's a hard one. We have a lot of options, a lot of choices. We have many choices, many options. Um, and, and, and so our lives revolve around choices and options. I was just thinking about it. We, we manage our lives so, with so much freedom. We have the, the choice and the option of what temperature our homes are. We're like, you know what, nature, sorry, we're not going to take what you give us. We are going to manage our home and we're going to keep it at 72 degrees, come rain, shine, snow, heat, whatever. We're so used to being able to manage and choose. And think about folks who don't have that. I, I think um, kind of the definition of, of wealth, the, the, the final question has got to do with leisure activities. We have a choice of leisure activities. There's a lot of folks who've never had a leisure activity, but we have a choice. We, we spend our money choosing. We, you know, we, we get satellites and cable TV so that we can watch games wherever. We can choose which sport. We can choose our camping. Folks, some of our, our campers and our camping equipment is more than what folks even ever could dream of owning. And that's our leisure activity. Now, this is not about guilting us, okay? This is not a, and so I don't want you to hear that. Please don't hear that. Um, I just want us to realize the position God has placed us in, where we are. We are the wealthy, okay? I want you to be very, very clear on that. We are the wealthy. We really are. And with that um, comes 
comes many opportunities, opportunities to really get involved. Okay, so um, we defining poverty in terms of opportunity. We have so many opportunities, so many options. Another way of looking at poverty is in terms of relationships. Um, sometimes poverty is relational. And uh, I don't know if you've been around. I, I, get, to, I get to meet some people who um, have burnt all their bridges relationally. Uh, you might know these folks, um, or, or maybe they're part of your family, extended family, or, or you work with them, but they've, they have basically um, shut down, they've, they've burnt bridges relationally so that no one can access them. They have, they have no safety net, they have no social safety net. If something happens in their life, they have no one who will come and help them. And I was just thinking about it, we moved here um, in 2010 and, and didn't really know anyone in Grimes, um, knew no one in Grimes. <laughs> but um, if, if I had a fire or, um, you know, my roof went or something like that, I, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but man, I, I think there'd be a bunch of you folks. I know I'd be at your house. And I, we have this social safety net that, that says, if something goes wrong, we, we will help you. We will be there. If something had to happen, we do meal trains. And, and folks sign up and say, you know what? We want to bless you. We want to help you. We have this, this relational um, net, this web of relationships that, that help us. And I'm, I'm usually intrigued when, um, when people don't have options relationships, in terms of relationships. I'm like, how did you get here? How did you get to this place where you have no one to call? You, you have burned all your bridges, you've, you've, you've pushed your family and your friends and your co-workers and your neighbors away. How did you get here? And, and the question I ask then is, did you ever really have a chance? Did you ever really have a chance to be successful in life? Um, and and I, I, I have these conversations with folks and I hear their stories and I hear what what was done to them and the, the, the way they grew up, their, their family of origin. And I, and I asked that question, did they ever really have a chance? And, and what it's made me realize is that when I left home, when I left my parents' home, I received a very valuable inheritance. And it wasn't money. But my parents um, taught me how to socialize how to build relationships, how to interact with people, what to do and what not to do. Be because of the way my parents raised me, I could walk in and apply for a job. I could read, I could write. I, I, was, I was taught how to think rationally. I think I was taught that. Um, but but, but I, I was given this, this, this gift that is invaluable, that you, you, you can't measure. I left home with this inheritance that is worth so much. It allowed me to, <clears throat> to make plans. It, 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 I left home with hope for my future, hope that things will get better and that, that I, can, I can work and, and, and improve and, and things would go well. I left home with that hope that was given to me as an inheritance, and I am so grateful for it. I, I'm going to call my parents off to church here and and just tell them, thank you for giving me this gift. Um, there are many people who do not have that. 
were growing up, things were taken from them rather than given to them. Innocence, hope, those things were taken from them. And their relationships, instead of being positive and affirming and supportive, their relationships were destructive and harmful. Did they ever have a chance? And so when we think about the poor, we need to ask those questions. Did they ever have a chance? Um, another way of looking at, at poverty is in terms of systems. And, and I get excited about this. I love kind of reading history and, and, and looking at cultures and just looking at what's going on in a culture. And, and, and there's these, these systems or these economies within cultures. Um, and sometimes they're financial, okay, uh, or, or political. Um, think about... If you were born in North Korea today, what chance would you have? What options would you have? How much of that would be of your own doing? Or, or, or did you, were you just born into a system, into this political, economic system that is just messed up? Not what God desires in any way. No freedom, no justice. Often these systems are motivated by, by greed and, and a hunger for power and, and to oppress people. And, and they are oppressive systems, um, economically even. Um, and, and, and we need to ask the question then, what, is, what are we living in? Because they, and, and what are we participating in? Because I think there are systems even today uh, here that we participate in that keep people... In slavery. I, that's, that's the only way to, to say it, to, that really keep people in slavery. We have this, this hunger and this desire for cheap iPhones and cheap phones and cheap vegetables and cheap, cheap goods, but often it's at the cost of, of people. And, and, and we, we kind of have people in bondage to this, this system. The other form of slavery that I think we're in and, and this is, speaks to you and I today, is this, the slavery to comfort and, and, and possessions. We get into this, this, this mindset that we just have to chase after more things, that, that if I'm not comfortable, something's wrong. That, and, and we argue about how we should set the air conditioner. Oh, I'm too cold. Well, I'm too warm. And we argue about it. Um, we go as far as, have you seen those beds where, you know, you can have the soft bed and the hard bed next to each other? Like, because we argue about our beds. We argue about our food. We, we, and, and if we don't get what we, we need and want, and if there aren't four flavors of coffee creamer back there, I'm going to go to a different church. Because, seriously? And, and, and so we get into this me mentality, this self-serving, it's all about me. Folks, that's slavery. That is as much slavery as being locked up in a prison or in chains or in North Korea or in wherever. That is slavery. And that's where we need to do heart work. That's where we need to do heart work, where we say, okay, God, I want you to work on my heart. I want you to break those chains of slavery where I have given myself to willingly to the slavery of more, the slavery of possessions, the slavery of, of owning and controlling and being at 
everything being about me. Okay. So um, I, I hope that's making you think a little bit because what we're going to be doing over the next few weeks is we're going to be explore, exploring some of this, this slavery that, that we're in and that, that other people are in. And what can we do about it? What, what's the answer here? And the answer is not to place blame or, to f- or, or guilt ourselves and say, oh, this is my fault or this is their fault. You know, if only they'd made better choices. Um, or, or maybe I need to change my choices or, you know, this poverty or, or, or this is a result of, of their sin or my sin or, or you know, greater sin. Or, um, we need to be very careful. And we need to ask God to work in our hearts. That's the only answer I have is, God, would you work in my heart? Would you, would you show me? Would you, um, would, would you work in my heart? I want to read, um, if you can open your Bibles, Isaiah chapter 58. Um, God is speaking about worship here. Uh, what kind of worship is pleasing? What kind of worship is, is, does God desire? Uh, specifically, what kind of fasting and, and we don't like fasting, okay? Fasting is, is if we, we give something up for a period of time. You know, we, we think fasting is this massive spiritual exercise. You know, when we don't have food for a day, we're like, man, we are really, really amazing people. But there are folks who, who, they don't have the choice to fast. They're just fasting because they don't have food. But, but the question here in Isaiah 58 is, what kind of fast, what kind of worship is God pleased with? And reading from verse 6, it says, Is not this the kind of fasting I've chosen? To loose the chains of injustice and to untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free, to break every yoke. Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? Then your light will break forth like the dawn, and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call, and the Lord will answer. You'll cry for help, and He will say, Here am I. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger and the malicious talk, and if you spend yourselves on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and He will strengthen your frame. You'll be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. I love verse 10 and, 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 and 11. It says, and if you spend yourselves, if you spend yourselves, Folks, this is going to cost, okay? This is going to cost, and I'm not talking about money. Yeah, this is going to cost money as well, but I'm talking about us, our hearts. This is going to cost us. So if we spend ourselves, if we, if we give, if we spend ourselves on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, it says your light will rise like the darkness, and your night will become like the noonday. You'll bring light into a dark world. You'll bring light into dark relationships. 
He'll bring light into dark systems. And then the beautiful image that he uses there is then, um, you'll be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. And, it, and I have this picture of, of this oasis in a desert. You will become this oasis in a desert around you, where, where people around you are dying of thirst, and you will have the spring of water that never ceases, this water that just bubbles up. You will become like a well-watered garden. And, and imagine just hungry and tired and, and dry and walking into this garden, and there's water, and then there's, there's vegetables and fruit in this garden. This, it's, it's the Garden of Eden again, this well-watered, beautiful garden. And God says we will become like that when we spend ourselves, when we give, when it costs us, when we spend ourselves for the poor, for the oppressed, for the hungry. God says, this is the kind of worship I desire. This is the kind of worship I desire, fasting that, that really counts is giving ourselves, spending ourselves. Why do we spend ourselves? Because that's what God did. That's what God does for us. That's, that's Jesus. Jesus comes and He spends Himself, not just His money. <laughs> he doesn't just pay our ransom with money, but He spends Himself, His whole life, everything He has at the cross and everything before that, His whole life. He spends His whole life. I mean, Think about Jesus. He could have made some really cool miracles and like turned, you know, like rocks into gold and built this really cool palace and had like a thousand servants and, and lived this really cool life. No. Instead, he's out there, no home, no fancy buildings, no army, no nothing. He spends himself for us, for the poor, for us. Um, in Luke chapter 4, uh, Jesus walks into the temple and, and he's handed the scroll and he, and he, he, he kind of reads his mission statement. This is early on, this is right before the miracles. He reads his mission statements and he's quoting from Isaiah and he says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That's Jesus' mission statement. He says, I've, I've come to proclaim good news to the poor, set the, the oppressed free, to loose the chains. That's what he's about. Okay, so there is poverty right here in Grimes. There is poverty all around the world. Um, there might even be poverty in us in terms of our relationships, in terms of how we deal with people in terms of our selfishness and our self-focused lives. That might be the poverty that God wants to change in us so that we could then help others. And so, um, Amy, do you want to come forward? Uh, that's, that's the message part, okay? So now the next four weeks, we're going to be dealing with um, Paul. Next week, he's going to be talking about letting go. Letting go of all this stuff that, that, that kind of chains us. You need one of those. Um, and then in two weeks' time, Jason's going to be speaking about our identity, knowing our identity, because part of letting go is knowing who we are. And then I'll, I'll be speaking about compassion, about how we have compassion. What does compassion really look like? And then the final week, Paul again is going to be speaking on mission. What is this? What do we do now? What do, yeah, how do we move forward? 
um, being on mission for God, not just one week in Tennessee or in Kentucky, but our whole life. Um, and so, Amy, how, what does some of this stuff look like? Um, so, we got journals and, and some written stuff. Yep. Um, and <laughs> yeah, we got some journals, um, oh. small groups. Oh, yeah, small groups. Um, for the youth, I don't know what it looks like for adults. I guess they're... Life groups. Life groups, okay. Um, but for the youth, we will meet every Sunday right after service to have our small group time, just like in youth group. Um, so we'll move from Wednesday nights to Sunday um, right after church. And just to kind of process and, and um, go through that and, and talk about it if there's questions. And, and then... You'll also be receiving the empathy challenges weekly. Did you want to talk about that? Oh, uh, let's talk about the the, okay. the project first. We're going to hit them. The we'll keep okay. that lost. Okay. Um, and as we go through July, then we have we have a campaign, something that as a church we're going to come together and work towards. And our campaign is going to be for the Friendship Center. And I think most of you are probably familiar. Um, we, several of you have done ministry down there. Um, but our campaign will be, they, they serve one of the um, most highly poverty neighborhoods in the Des Moines area. And our campaign is going to be, our goal is to raise $5,000 to purchase backpacks and school supplies for the kids in that neighborhood. That's our, that's our campaign for July. And... The youth, I know I've talked with my student leadership team already. I know they're brainstorming and coming up with ideas. But um, things like having a bake sale or sacrificing one a week's salary. Several of our youth have jobs. And taking that week's salary and contributing that. Um, they had a whole slew of ideas when we met. But just, yeah, raising money for the Friendship Center and contributing and sacrificing this month them so you know at first we're like maybe a good goal would be a thousand bucks you know we could you know kids and, and us we could raise a thousand bucks and we're like no you know how many backpacks should, do we want to do and so what we want to do is a backpack fill it with school supplies mm -hmm. and um, it'll probably cost like 30 40 bucks you know between a decent backpack and a bunch of school supplies in there and 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 think of of what's really important in terms of poverty is breaking cycles because so often we get into these cycles I mean, some of these kids have no chance and, and, and they'll go to school with no backpack and, and no, no pencils and, and, and here we have an opportunity to break a cycle to, to show them Jesus' love but also give them an opportunity to learn and, and um, so yeah, then we were thinking, okay, so how many of like 100 backpacks? Okay, well, let's put our challenge at like $3,000 and then God has just been speaking to us and we're like, okay, we're going to go big um, because we want to spend ourselves on behalf of the poor. We want to spend ourselves on behalf of the poor. And we, this is, we want kids to really sacrifice here um, and, and, and adults as well. Um, please don't take out of your extra spare checking, okay? Don't take out of that. We want you to spend yourself. This needs to be a sacrifice. And so um, one of the things is it's going to be a, a good sell here. Okay. Empathy challenges. Every week, there is going to be an empathy challenge. Some of you guys are going to go like, oh, gosh, really? I shouldn't have come to church today, or I should just take July off, because I don't want to hear this. Don't do that. 
So uh, please don't do that. And I want to encourage you um, to, to really pray and ask God, because sometimes by us getting involved in these empathy challenges, we get to feel and experience what life is like for the poor. And, and we can have a greater understanding. Um, and so I'm going to run through them, and, and you might be shocked. Uh, they might be easy for you, and go, eh. And so I want to up the bar as well a little bit. So the first week, um, cold showers and sleeping on the floor. And for the youth, that is the week of impact. Cold showers and sleeping on the floor. Yeah. Okay, and so some of the guys are going like, oh, I've got a bad back, so I can't do that. Well, think about it. Um, second week, social media fast. Staying off social media. <laughs> you know, and so my, and for me, that's like easy. I'm not on social media. So, like, oh, that'll be easy. But I, I need to figure something out that's going to, you know, maybe it's full-on electronics because... I don't know. I've got to figure out what's that going to be for me um, because I, I want to up the bar. I really want to spend myself. Uh, the third week, let's go to beans and rice for the week. For every meal. Breakfast, lunch, and supper. You can choose beans or rice or beans and rice. So you have three choices. You're good. Um, <laughs> and, and, and folks, I... I really want to, uh, so here's the last one. Last one is carrying a, a weight around, a sandbag with you, in a backpack or just with you. Just thinking of carrying that weight, the weight of, of oppression, the weight of poverty, carrying that around. Because so, w we move so easily, and, and there's other folks who are weighed down with, with a lot of things. And so I know some of you are going out there, well, you know, that's great for the youth and I'll have my kids do that, but, but adults, parents, what would it look like if we said to our kids, we're in and we're going to participate in this and, and maybe we're going to up the bar a little bit. What if we turned our air conditioner off for a week? <gasps> Shock and horror. <laughs> it's not going to be 72 degrees in the house when we wake up and at three in the afternoon. What would that look like? Because let's face it, folks, um, I'd, I'd love to do the stats on how many people in the world live in air conditioning and how many don't. And I think it'll be probably in that 1% again. I think, uh, yeah, it'd be the top 2 3% of the world has air conditioning. But there are folks without air conditioning in places that get a lot hotter. It was 129 degrees in Iran last week. I think it was the hottest temperature they've, they've measured. 129 degrees. That is stinking hot. Okay? Um, but what would that look like? So you don't have to do all of these at the same time, and you don't have to start this week. Or, or take, take the money that you would go out to eat with or get that special coffee drink with and take that for a week and contribute that to the campaign. Something, I mean, yeah. That's the week you do beans and rice, um, man, you can save on groceries. You really can, okay? <laughs> and, and so I know this is a hard ask, and, and um, we're, we're kind of setting the bar high here, but I, I want you to pray and ask God. We don't want to go easy on you. Um, and Alice and I were talking about it, and, and we're going to turn our hot water off. Like, we're just going to save some gas money. I don't know. I'm going to and, and contribute that, yeah. okay? So, so this money that we're going to raise, we want you to sacrifice to raise it. Not go like, oh, I've got an extra hundred bucks lying around the house. I'm going to do that. No. Figure out how much, you, could, you know, your $3 coffee or your $5 coffee is okay. The next month, you know, there's 20 of them weekdays. That's 60 bucks right there, or 100 bucks. Um, we want you to spend yourselves. This is not just a, like, 
I've, I'll give out of my excess. This is I'm going to give out of my sacrifice because I want to identify, and I want to have empathy with people. Okay? We really want to encourage you. I, um, I'll share a quick story and then we've got to go. We're good, Amy. Thanks. Uh, so when, when I was going into missions, um, to learn language, um, I, I lived in a village. Okay? I lived in, in a little village called Chowe, um, was up top of a mountain road in Malawi amongst the Yao people. These were the people that we were going to minister to. And so I, I made a decision to, to move into a village and, and live like they do. So I lived in an old mud hut, okay? And the termites would be eating the thatch, and it was, it was hard. It was really hard. And, and I realized then that I had a very high expectation of other people in terms of the work they did, in terms of the, how much attention they could pay, like, I was like, man, these, these people just seem slow. You know, they really seem like they're not all there. And like, come on, guys, get with the plan here. This is the gospel. This is important. And after living um, in that hut for a while, um, no plumbing, no power, nothing like that, I used to go and carry my water um, to cook with and bathe in and, you know, just a bucket of water. And I was too lazy to heat water, so I just showered cold. And it was Malawi. It's hot all the time. So, um, but I realized, and then diet-wise, realizing without a fridge, maybe that's an empathy challenge. Lock the fridge up for a week and live without a fridge. Um, I just realized that my, my diet, I just didn't have that mental energy. I wasn't eating as much protein as I was used to. And, so, and you'll feel this with the beans and rice. You're just slow. Like, you know, I, I need the pick-me-up, I need the caffeine, or I need, you know, the, the, the Gatorade or something to get me going again. And it's like, what if I don't have that option? What if I don't have that choice? What if this is all I have? And so part of those empathy challenges is saying, okay, folks, what if we limited our choices for a little bit and just understood and, and experienced what life is like for people who don't have as many options as we have? Okay? I'm not going to um, speak anymore. Let's pray. Jesus, we, we, want to, um, we want to give this to you. This is about you. Uh, this is not about us. Father, we, we realize that we are incredibly blessed. We, are, we have so much. We have so many choices. Father, and, and most of all, we are blessed in terms of relationships. We have these beautiful relationships here in our body. But Jesus, we have this relationship with you that is life-giving, that, that, that gives us hope, that gives us hope for eternity. And Father, we, we think of those who, who do not have the choices we have. They do not have the relationships with friends and neighbors that we have. Maybe they're living at war. Or Father, maybe they're living without a relationship with you, that they don't know you and that they're far from you. And Maybe they've chosen to rebel um, and run away from you. And Father, what a, what a lonely, hopeless existence. And so, Father, would you help us spend ourselves for the poor? And Lord, I don't know what it's all going to look like. And, and maybe some of us are pushing back and saying, you know what, there's no way I'm going to do beans and rice. Or there's no way I can live without a fridge or an air con or, or social media. But Father, would you work in our hearts? 
and, and would we spend ourselves for the poor? And Jesus, would it not just be because there's this campaign going on at Crossroads, and yeah, we should do this, and I'm going to do this just because I don't want to, you know, yeah, just because out of obligation. But Jesus, I pray that you would work in our hearts, and as we do these things, as we, as we spend ourselves, as we sacrifice, Father, would, would we focus our hearts on you, and would you expose in our hearts what are the things that we have just taken for granted? What are the, the luxuries that we, we feel entitled to? What are the things that we believe we can't live without? So, Father, I pray that you would work in our hearts. Please, as, as, as we do these empathy challenges, as we encourage one another, would you work in our hearts? Would you change our hearts? Would you align our hearts to yours? Would we become more like you? And Jesus, would you give us a heart for um, those around us? our neighbors. And Lord, would we not have to ask who is our neighbor? Would we very clearly know that who our neighbors are, those around us, those who are not as blessed and as fortunate as we are? Jesus, you've blessed us greatly so that we can be a blessing. Would we not gather up and, and hoard um, this blessing that we have? But would we share it freely? Would we spend ourselves? Would we sacrifice ourselves for others, for those people who you love, for our neighbors right here in Grimes, for our neighbors across the world? Jesus, I pray you work in our hearts in these next few weeks. Please. We pray this all in your name. Amen. Just stand up.